Oh, that was rich. Thank you. Thank you. Um, want to say thank you to the camp for the opportunity to come and, and share with you. Uh, it's been an awesome thing for me. To, I, I'm, I was led here by my wife several years ago, and uh, she, of course, as you know, grew up here and become one of my favorite places, as I said the other night, I think. But, uh, and it has, but it's been a great privilege to get to preach. I appreciate that. And special thanks to, to uh, Matt and Blaine and, and uh, the board and, and everything that went into making this thing happen. Such a privilege to tag team a little bit with Tom Atkins. What a, what a great brother he is and what rich uh, messages. I learned a lot from just sitting at, at his feet, so to speak, and, and I appreciate that. And John Juneman is always, he's on his game and uh, just rich, rich, rich. So we are, we're blessed. Uh, Matt said I had 10 minutes, so I got to go, okay? That's hard for me because I talk slow, as you know. That's, uh, it's, it's like the, the pitching machines, you know, they use in baseball to record the speed. Uh, if, if I could do that to record my speed, it wouldn't show up. So we, we know that. And, and uh, I, I want to share something with you that, that is uh, first time I've, I've spoken on this particular topic uh, anywhere. I was just reading this week. And in the book of Ephesians, you have your Bibles? Hello? You have your Bibles? Uh, Ephesians 1, and I, I want to share one verse and just share seven minutes with you. Okay. <laughs> oh, my, I'm going to let the air out of his tires. Anyway, verse 4, look at this. Long ago, even before he made the world, even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Isn't that something? Long, long ago, even before the world was made, he loved us. I carry this uh, love note in my Bible that I received uh, recently from Beth. And it, it's from our 45th birthday she said, when we get to the end of our lives together, the house we had, the cars we drove, the things we possess won't matter. What will matter is that I had you and you had me. Isn't that neat? That's a love note from my wife. And then she says, happy 45th anniversary to the love of my life. Every day I thank God for you, Joe. I love you always. That, that uh, is a treasure. Thank you. Because I have another love note. And it's a note from Jesus. And it's his book, isn't it? But that scripture says, long ago, even before he made the world. You know, it's important that we feel significant and, and how privileged we are as being followers of the King of Kings, as, as being loved by God, that we know that no matter what anybody else says, that we are special and we are a value, a value of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Uh, several years ago, they had a, an auction for the, uh, for the golf or the rabbit, as we call them in America, an old VW, an old beat-up VW that belonged to the Pope. And someone bid $244,000 for that car. It's a piece of junk. But it gave it great value. 
At the same time, I was trying to sell the most beautiful white convertible, uh, 1993 uh, Celica GT convertible. It's wonderful. I got $2,200 for it. Uh, it's, it's as valuable as someone's willing to pay for it. This says, long before uh, even the world, even before he made the world, you think about your significance, and sometimes you feel so small. You feel, you feel so much out of it. But then you look at the sun, 93 million miles away. The sun, 333,000 times the size of the earth. It puts off heat, as we know, sometimes not as much as we would like as last night, but sometimes it it puts heat off, and it's as though it's as though a, a billion, with a B, a billion nuclear bombs are going off per second. That's how hot the sun is. And it takes eight minutes for the heat to travel from the sun to Camp Syker. It was late last night, but think about that. And yet the temperature, the temperature is just right to sustain life, to sustain you and me. Now think about that. If it were just a little, a little warmer, there'd be no life on this planet. If it were just a little colder, then there'd be no life on this planet. If it took seven minutes to get here, you know, everything would be out of sync and there'd be no life, but you're that special. We are that special to God that he would create a universe Well, we are the focus, we are the focus of his love. Think about that. You can go, you can go uh, and and, uh, beyond a little bit, on into the universe, and you can go 600 light years to a star called Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is a thousand times the size of our sun, which is 300 and 33,000 times the size, as I said, of the earth. Betelgeuse is a thousand times that size. If it were in our galaxy, it would reach Jupiter. That's how big this star is. That's 600 light years away, 600 light years. Light travels 186,000 miles a second. A light year would would travel, light would travel 5.88 trillion miles. You take 5.88 trillion miles, multiply it by 600, and you still haven't reached the edge of the universe. That's incredible. And yet with all that is involved there, and we don't even know, we can't even fathom that, we're still the focus of his love. Don't ever feel, don't ever feel like you are not loved. Don't ever feel that way. Our value. This is how valuable you are. Not too many years ago, there was a man named Matthew Coldiron. You don't know Matthew. He's a big bulk of a man, and he was uh, raised in Michigan. That's, uh, that's a far-off star. It is, uh, no. <laughs> but Michigan. Mich- is anybody here? No, okay. Uh, Michigan, he was from Michigan. He graduated from college there with an, a degree in English. And he thought, I want to see the world before I settle down. So he went to Alaska. He stayed up there, worked there for a little while. And then he came south and he ended up 
And our core tendency, our core tendency, he, he had got a job cleaning carpets. Had a degree in English, and so that qualified him. So he got a job cleaning carpet, and he was down on his knees one day in this, this, this uh, elderly lady's house, and he was trying to get a spot off the carpet. And he's, he's scrubbing this, this spot, and the lady comes in the room and says, could I ask you a question? And he said, yeah, go ahead. She said, uh, what do you think of Jesus Christ? And he said, lady, I haven't a clue as to what you're talking about. And he leaned back down and started cleaning the spot, and she left the room. That afternoon, he was walking through a park in Alcoa, and he came across our church. And he thought about what that lady said. Just a simple remark like that. And he, he looked at the church, and he looked at our sign, and it said Bible study Wednesday night. And I'm thinking that this was a Tuesday, and the next night he's in Bible study. I'll never forget it. I was uh, standing in, in front of, uh, it was a side section of, of, uh, of the pews, and he came down the aisle and, and sat about, about the third pew back. He did. And I was teaching, and he listened to every little word. He listened to every little word. And after it's over, he came up, and, and it was almost like, uh, I don't know why I'm here. And I shared with him a few minutes, and, and it just kind of, uh, and he left. And, uh, and he was back Sunday. And then he was back every time the door was open. And today he's a minister because he got into the love letter to him, changed his life. Why? Because this lady, this lady said, could I ask you a question? And what Tom had said about how important we are, about how you're not here by accident, that you've been set up. You know, uh, before I was a Christian, my mother tried to get me into everything. You know, why don't you come out of church? Well, I got your favorite, favorite dish and that at the church, you know. And, I, and, and she's, but God, God's got our number. He had, he had Matthew's number, and he went after Matthew. You know, we, we always want to feel privileged. We want to feel like somebody knows us, that, that somebody cares about us, that, that we're, we're first class. You with me? If you've ever flown on a plane and most of you probably had. Well, when you get on a plane, when, when you get on a plane, you have to walk through the first class. You know, and then you go back, perhaps, if you're not in the first class, you keep walking. And there's this magical curtain. You know, and on the other side are 300 seats. And, and you're supposed to find yours before the flight is over. And you walk, you walk into the first class, and there's six or eight people there in the restroom. Now, when you go through your curtain, there's 300 people here, but you have two restrooms. 
But you walk through, you walk through the first class, and as you walk through the first class, you realize that they're putting the china out and the silver, already filling those, those little goblets or whatever, uh, champagne. You smell and hear the, the steaks crackling on the grill. <laughs> and, and you see that, and, and you're thinking, wow, here's what I do. Here's a clue as to what you can do about that. I always, in talking loud, when I'm walking through first class, I just look around, walk slow, and I say, surveys show that if this plane goes down, the safest place to be is in the back of the plane. Does anybody want to swap? <laughs> I haven't had a taker yet, but, but that's what I do. You know, I go through, and, I, and before I get to the magical curtain, Anybody want to swap? But we all want to be first class. We all want to, don't we? Who wants to go and sit in a seat with your knees in your mouth and they come down and they're eating steaks on the other side of a curtain and, and, and you're sitting there, they hand you your Dixie plates. It's the only southern thing you've got at the house too, right? But they, they hand you your, and your Dixie cups and then they put, they put a... A tuna fit, a two-day-old tuna fish sandwich on your plate wrapped in cellophane that you don't realize but until the third bite. And, and they put that there, and then they give you warm Kool-Aid, but the good thing about that is free refills. You get as much as you want, and then for dessert, your favorite, peanuts. Is that not right? Is that not right? But you'd rather be on the other side of that curtain. You'd rather be recognized as first class. And according to this scripture, according to this scripture, you're recognized as first class. Again, I read it to you. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault uh, in his eyes. That the value, we are valuable people. Bill Bright made this statement. Listen to this. Bill Bright, <clears throat> once uh, uh, he led the Campus Crusade for Christ, he passed away several years ago, and an awesome individual. He is given, quote, credit, if we, if we can put it that way, for leading, whether directly or indirectly, 150 million people to Christ through the Campus Crusade for ministry, uh, for, for uh, Christ, you know, ministry on the campuses. But he said, contrary, now listen to this, contrary to what many, even believers, often think Christianity is not a penalty that one has to endure in order to qualify for heaven. But rather, it's an incredible adventure which has, new, uh, which has no equal. Contrary to what many, even believers, often think, Christianity is not a penalty that one has to endure in order to qualify for heaven, but rather a, a, an incredible adventure which has no equal. Wow. When I was walking in here tonight, or today, when I was walking in here, Drew Clark, our own Drew Clark, I said, Drew, why don't you speak? He said, I had to speak one time. I said, what'd you say? And he said this. He said, be comfortable, but uh, don't get comfortable. Be comfortable in, in who you are. Be comfortable in the fact that the hand of God is on you. 
Be comfortable that he has set you up to touch the world in his name. Be comfortable with that. But don't be so comfortable that, that you're, you're not looking you're not looking for the next adventure or the, or the adventure of really following Christ. There's a guy named Eric, uh, Eric Wehanmeyer, Wehan I think is the way you pronounce that. Uh, Eric uh, was the first blind man, the first blind man to climb Mount Everest. And when he was walking down from Mount Everest with a guide, the guide whispered in his ear, we can do that up there. Sounded like a whisper to him. He said, don't let this be your greatest achievement. Don't let this be your greatest achievement. He would later, about seven years later, he was solo kayak the incredible rapids of the Grand Canyon, 277 treacherous miles. Because a man said, don't let this be your greatest achievement. Whatever you have done for Christ, let that be the stepping stone as we leave here to what he has next for you. You with me? Hello? You there? Let this be the stepping stone as to where you are headed. One, one final thing. Not too many years ago, Sports Illustrated... And I may have shared this with the youth several years ago. It's my favorite illustration. And I share it with you. Not too many years ago, Sports Illustrated, they, they, they wrote an article, a guy wrote an article about the simplicity of sport language. Isn't that interesting? You see, I, I skipped over that article, Joe. The simplicity of sport language. And they wanted to prove that, so they said, why don't we get an athlete and take him to Jack London, Jack, the great writer Jack London, to take, to take this athlete to his tomb and read off, that is, I'm told, engraved there on the tomb, to read off this quote and then ask the athlete what that means to him, to put that in the simple language of sport. You with me? They're going to take this guy to, to uh, um, this person to, to this tomb, and they're going to read off this quote and then just say, what, what do you, how would you say that? So they went to the Oakland Raiders of all place, and they had a quarterback by the name of Snake Stabler. Snake died, I think, in 2015, but he was a character. He had a beard that kind of grew in every direction, you know, and he was a character. But um, they took him to this grave and uh, they read this quote to him. Jack London said, I wrote, I'd rather be ashes than dust. I'd rather my flame go out in a burning spark than that it be stifled with dry rot. I'd rather be a splendid meteor blazing across the sky, every atom in me in magnificent glow, than to be a sleepy and permanent planet. Life is to be lived, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I will use my time. 
So they looked a snake and said, what does that mean to you? And he shook that old hairy beard of his, pulled on a little bit. You see guys around here doing that. Pulled on that old beard a little bit, and then he looked at him and smiled and said, now this old quarterback, he said, throw deep. Throw deep. When you leave here, realize there are Matthew Coldirons all over your neighborhood, all over your world. That God loved you so much that he set you up on the only planet that we know of that can even sustain life. And he's given you the opportunity to change the world. Now get comfortable, as Drew would say, was the way it is. But to throw deep, to throw for that touchdown, to put everything in your life to use it and to put everything in your life as you, as you live forth the gospel, knowing that God, God's got his hand on you. He's going to change the world through your witness. He loves you that much. That's how valuable you are because he was willing to pay the ultimate price just for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are awed by the fact that, that when your son Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them to the, all the things that I've taught you, go into all the world, make the difference, lead them, lead them to me, Jesus said. He said, I'm going to empower you. You're going to receive power after that to, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to become my witnesses at Camp Syker, in your hometown, in your families, your neighborhood. In other words, Lord, we hear you telling us, throw, throw deep. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I believe I'll just turn it back over to you now, and he's got some things to do. Thank you, Joe. I want to invite us now to make our ways to the uh, interior of the, camp, of the uh, tabernacle. We're going to make a circle, and this has become our tradition over the last several years. We will circle up around the interior of the tabernacle. I want to pray a concluding prayer, and then I'm going to ask Tab to come, and he'll lead us in the doxology. If you remember our first night here, we sang, with the, or we began with the doxology. We want to conclude in the same way. So if you could take a moment, begin to make a great circle around the interior of this tabernacle.
Before I pray, I want you to look around. I want to invite you to look around this circle. This is your family. You're part of this family. And it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter who you are. This is your family. We are the family of God here together at Camp Cycle. We know that next year when we do this, this circle will look different. Many of us will be here. We all plan to be here likely. But it will be different. But for this moment, look around. You're part of this. We are together, the family of God. Even if you were here last night and you remember Joe saying, you might be the goober of your family, you're part of this family. Never forget it. This is who we are. One together, in the name of Jesus Christ, under his lordship, as part of the family of Almighty God. Let us pray. Lord, how we thank you for this moment. It's one of my favorite moments in camp. Because it reminds me and it reminds each of us that we're part of a greater family, that it's not about us individually. But together, you call us to be the family of God and you privilege us to be the family of God in this place. Lord, we know next year when we gather, it'll be different. Some of us will not be able to be here. Some of us, Lord, will have gone on to eternity. But Lord, we are all part of this family. As we bring Camp Psyker 2019 to a conclusion, we know that the work of the kingdom is not concluded. That as we go out into our churches and our homes and our neighborhoods and our jobs, Lord, that we're praying you would open our eyes to see those with whom we can share Jesus Christ. Lord, may the aroma of Christ himself be upon us and may it be pleasing in your sight. Lord, bind us together. Remind us of who we are. And as we connect with one another, both here and throughout the year, may we always remain under the Lordship of our Savior Jesus. And now, Lord, may we go in the blessing of Christ Almighty. May the grace and peace that alone He brings be a guard over our hearts and minds this day and every day until we meet again. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing together.
Praise God from whom 